0: Well, I want to invite you uh, to grab your Bible with me today, or you can open that Bible app. But join me, if you will, in John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Now, over the last several weeks, we have been in a sermon series together where we've been looking at some important things that Jesus said to his disciples in the Gospel of John, things that uh, relate to the events surrounding his death and resurrection, And Jesus had been crucified on a Roman cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. John chapter 21 talks about three specific occasions where Jesus showed up and talked to specific people or specific groups of people. First, on Easter Sunday, we saw Jesus when he was at the tomb with Mary, uh, whose heart was filled with sorrow. And then he appears to the disciples who are locked in this room for fear of the Jews. Last week, we saw that he appeared to Thomas, who was filled with doubt. But then as we come to chapter 21, we see a fourth encounter that Jesus has with one of his followers after his resurrection. And this time, it specifically involves an encounter with Peter. What Jesus is going to do is he is going to address a recent failure in Peter's life. And he is going to give Peter another chance. Now, I'm not saying that he's giving Peter a second chance, but what I'm saying is that he's giving Peter another chance. And the reason why I say it that way is because Peter, just like all of us, is going to stumble and fall and fail more than once in his life. But we see Jesus here giving Peter another chance, a bit of a fresh start. He is reminding him of the mission that he has for him. Maybe you're here today and you need to know that as well, that you look at your life, you think about this past year, maybe you think about the past months or even the past week, and you think of instances where you have just blown it, maybe big time. And uh, you, you found yourself stumbling and falling and failing. You feel like you are distant from God. Maybe you even come to a place where you feel like God would never be able to use you as the way that you thought that he would or the, thought, the way that you thought he could. Maybe you feel like life will never be the same for you. Today, we're going to see Jesus. And he appears to Peter. And he restores Peter and gives Peter another chance. And the way that he does this is so profound, it's so unique, and it moves Peter on, as he moves from uh, John chapter 21, he he is an absolutely different, changed person. What I want to do today is I want to start in the middle of the passage, and then we're going to kind of set the stage there, and then we'll come back to the beginning of the passage. Uh, Typically when people teach or preach um, John 21, there is this focus on verses 15 through 17 where there's this interaction, this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And so uh, I want to start by reading these verses. Here's what it says, John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, the question is, what's happening? Why does Jesus ask Peter this question three times? Why does he ask this question over and over and over again? Uh, well, there, there are those who look at this and they see that there is this Greek word for love. And they they see that there are two different Greek words that are used here for for the word love. And the first is the word agape, this divine godly love. And then the other one is phileo, which is commonly understood as a brotherly love or a friendship love, a family type of love, the type of love that you would have for a brother or a sister, that there is this friendship between you. And so you have this conversation between Jesus and Peter. And some have said that Jesus is saying, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And Peter is saying, I phileo you. And Jesus comes back again and he says, Peter, uh, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. And finally, Jesus comes back and he says, Peter, do you phileo me? And, And Peter says, yes, I phileo you. People read this and they think, well, you know, Jesus keeps wanting Peter to agape him, but he can't get Peter to agape him. And so he says, well, at least do you phileo me? Are you really sure? And Peter says, yes, you know that I phileo you. Now, there are times where you can look specifically at this word and the distinctions between this word that's used here. But the problem is is that um, there are times in the Gospels where these words uh, for love are used interchangeably. It's just kind of a way of adding variety to the text. And so I don't think that we should put a lot of emphasis on that. Also, when Jesus and Peter are having this conversation, they are not speaking in Greek. They're speaking in Aramaic. Now, when John writes this, he writes this in the common language of the day, which is Greek. But Jesus and Peter, when they're having this conversation, they're speaking in Aramaic. So it would have been different. There are also people who read this and they say, Well, you know what's happening here is that Peter, he denied Jesus three times. And so what Jesus is doing is he is asking Peter now three times, Do you love me? The problem that I have with that is that that just doesn't seem consistent with how Jesus does things. It doesn't seem consistent with his character. In other places in the scriptures, you don't see Jesus kind of holding things against people. Like, you know what? You denied me three times, and so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you three times, do you really love me? Because I want to make sure. You know, um, I, I would suggest to you that there is more that's actually happening here. That when we read these verses here, what John is doing is he is letting us know that something very deep is happening. I mean, if I come home and my wife, Sue, meets me at the front door and she says, uh, Jason, Do you love me? Now, like most guys, I I would probably respond by saying, Sure, I love you. Absolutely, I love you. And and she says, Jason, no, really, I just need to know, do you love me? And and I might say something like, Yes, I love you. I, I mean, I give you hugs and kisses. I bring flowers to you sometimes. I help out around the house. I try to set aside time so that we can spend time together and talk together. No, Jason, Do you really love me? I I just really need to know that. Now, most guys, by the third time, you, you would know that something deeper is going on in that moment, right? That there is going to be a conversation between you that's going to happen. I want to suggest to you that when it comes to John chapter 21, there is something very deep that is happening here between Peter and Jesus. And so, with that, I just want to now go back to the beginning of the chapter and read beginning in verse 1. It says this After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. Now, I want to stop there. What's John talking about? After what? If you remember back to the previous chapter, uh, it talks about the resurrection and uh, some people that then Jesus would appear to. And John says that after the, the the John is saying that after the resurrection this happened. So after Peter and John had gone to the empty tomb, after Jesus had appeared to Mary, after Jesus had appeared to the disciples who had been locked in this house. Um, after Jesus had appeared later on a week later uh, to the disciples again Thomas this time was there and he says Thomas stop doubting and believe after all of that Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias now the Sea of Tiberias that's just another name for the Sea of Galilee but I just want you to notice what it says here Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Two times here uh, in this one verse, uh, John uses this word revealed here. And I I think that it tells us something about what Jesus is trying to say to Peter. Peter. In fact, if you go down to verse 14, John uses this word again where it says, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. What we see here is Jesus revealed himself to the disciples and specifically to Peter because what's happening here is that Peter, and you can understand this, but, but Peter is like the spokesman for the disciples, Uh, Peter, the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested and put on trial, he had said, Jesus, you know what? I'll never deny you. I I don't care if I have to go to jail. I'll go to jail. I don't care if if I have to die. I will die for you. I don't know about what these other guys are going to do. I don't know if they're going to be faithful to you. But you can count on me, Jesus. But then within just a, a few hours, he had denied Jesus three times. Jesus had been crucified, dead, buried. Now he was resurrected. Now Jesus was alive. I wonder what's going on in Peter's mind at this moment as he thinks back on his failure, as he thinks about the embarrassment of denying Jesus in the way that he did, and as he thinks about his future. In fact, because of his failure, I imagine that he can't even think of himself having a future that would involve being on mission with Jesus at all. What, what Peter needs and what we all need when we go through seasons of life where we have failed, it, it, it just when we don't maybe understand, when we feel like there is this distance between us and God, what we need in that moment is for Jesus to reveal himself. And that's what is happening here in John chapter 21. So if Jesus is going to reveal himself and he is going to work through this situation with the disciples and specifically with Peter to overcome failure, if he is going to give Peter another chance, how is he going to do that? I think this scene here gives us a fascinating look into the person and work of Jesus Christ and the care that he has for those that he has called to himself. And I think that what happens here is so very different than what we might expect. Beginning in verse one, again, John says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two, and two other disciples of his uh, two others of his disciples were together simon peter said to them i am going fishing they said to him we will go with you they went out and got into the boat but that night they caught nothing now i want to just point out something here john at the end of verse three uh says that they got into the boat now He could have said that they got into a boat. I mean, Peter was a fisherman. They're on the Sea of Galilee. They could have got into any boat and gone out fishing. But John doesn't say a boat. He says the boat. What's happening here? Well, uh, do you remember back to when when Peter was first called by Jesus in Luke chapter 5? In, In verse 10 of that chapter, Luke chapter 5, verse 10, we read this. It says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Now, Simon was the name that was given to him when he, when he was first born by his parents. Later on, Jesus would come along and he would give him the name Peter, which meant a ro- the rock. And what, what, what he's saying is, Jesus is saying, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter because you're going to be a rock. Now, other people did not see this in Peter, maybe, but Jesus sees this in him. And this is what Peter was going to become. It says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him what had happened there was that before this event these disciples there there were times that 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 Jesus would would uh, be around and and they would go around follow him go where he went but then they would come back to their fishing uh, business again now in Luke chapter 5 we're told that Jesus tells Peter you're not going to catch fish anymore now you're going to be catching men and in response to this, then Peter leaves everything else behind. He leaves the boat. He leaves the nets. He leaves the business. And he goes and follows Jesus. He is all in with Jesus. But then we come to John chapter 21 in verse 3. And you have Peter. You have six others here. Uh, they, they don't just get into any boat, but they get into the boat. What seems to be happening here is that it seems that Peter is quitting. That Peter has decided that he has failed in this whole following Jesus thing. That he can't do it. He doesn't understand it. And Peter in this moment is just done. He's finished. I mean, you can understand what he might be going through. For three years he had followed Jesus. He had heard and seen the, these amazing things. Miracles. The, the lame walked the deaf heard the blind saw the dead were raised he had heard the words of life from the son of God Jesus had talked about a kingdom the apostles had been sent out as ambassadors of this new kingdom Uh, Peter was looking forward to the moment when this kingdom would come and Jesus would reign as the king as one of Jesus disciples he would be one of the leaders in this new kingdom and then all of a sudden. The king gets crucified. Instead of a throne, he now has a cross, and Jesus is laid in the tomb. Now he's resurrected. Uh, Peter goes in, he sees the empty tomb, he sees the grave clothes lying there. He hears about Jesus appearing to Mary. He hears about him uh, appearing to these two disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. Later on that night, Jesus appears to all of the disciples except for Thomas, A week later, he appears again to the disciples. This time, Thomas is there, and there is this great interaction that takes place. But the problem is that things just aren't the way that they were before. I mean, Peter probably thought that when Jesus was resurrected, that things would just go back to the way that they were before. But they hadn't. Jesus shows up. He talks to them a little bit. And then he disappears. He he, he doesn't tell them where he is going. He doesn't tell them what to do. He does tell them to go to Galilee. But then when they get up to Galilee, he's not around. And and things just aren't the way that they used to be. And on top of that, you know, Peter just has this sense of overwhelming failure. He has denied Christ. Everyone has heard it. He, He and Jesus really haven't talked since then. And Peter thinks, well, you know what? Maybe this really isn't for me. I mean, I think I would be better off if I just went back to what it is that I know. If I went back to fishing, I don't think that I can do this. I quit. I give up. Now, maybe you're listening to this today, and that's where you're at. Things just haven't gone the way that you thought. Uh, there are things that um, you just don't understand a whole lot about like why are these things happening the way that they are there, there maybe is failure that you're struggling through and processing through in your own life and you're just wondering if it is worth it, it, it you just don't understand maybe you have even quit or you feel like quitting you know, as I reflected on that this week, what came to my mind was something that I read about one of the great preachers from the past, a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon. You know, Spurgeon, he was an English pastor. During, he lived during the 1800s. He influenced a lot of people through his sermons And through uh, many other things that he has written. And he's still influencing people today. In fact, uh, some have even referred to him as the prince of preachers. Now, you might think of someone who has been so influential and so effective as Spurgeon was. uh, You would think that he would be really confident and that he would never struggle with failure. Never be discouraged. Never have any doubts. In In fact, though, that's not the case. It's quite well documented that Spurgeon faced many periods in his life of deep depression and brokenness to the point where he was just ready to throw in the towel. He was ready to just give up. That's where Peter is right here. Again, in verse 3, it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. It seems as if the gospel mission is in jeopardy here because Peter has said, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. They get into the boat because this is the one thing that Peter feels like he knows something about. I know something about fishing here. I I can almost hear him saying, you know what? I I don't know about this whole disciple thing, but I build a business around fishing And I'm going to go back to that. And then we read at the end of verse 3, it says, They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, it's one thing to uh, go out and go fishing as a hobby. And so maybe you're out on vacation and you grab your pole and, and you just want some time to relax. And so you take your fishing pole with you, you jump into a boat, you, uh, early in the morning, you go out, try to find a calm place on the lake, and, and you sit there for a few hours, just kind of casting your reel out and reeling it back in. And you're doing this over and over again for, for a few hours, and, and maybe you don't catch a thing. You, you know, uh, kind of sounds like me anytime that I've gone fishing. <laughs> you know, um, I, I've caught like three fish in my entire life, and I think that, those three fish that I caught were probably an accident. And, um, and yet, this is, if this is your livelihood, this, this is a whole different story here. When, when Peter thinks that this is the one thing that he can do, and then he can't even do this. I mean, you just picture what's going through his mind in this moment, that, that Peter is in this boat and he's thinking, you know what, I'm going to go back to fishing. He's got James and John with him. I mean, these guys were fishermen too. They knew the fishing industry. And and this is their first day back to business. And they fish all day. And after fishing all day, they have nothing to to count for. They have have caught nothing at all. Verse 5, it says, Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, there's something that's different about the resurrected body. Gospel writers talk about it. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Right here in John chapter 21, just a few verses later in verse 12, we read this. It says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. You see, there's just something different about the way that Jesus looks in his resurrected body. And until he reveals himself, they don't even know that it's him. Jesus is on the shore. The disciples are out on the Sea of Galilee. We have a picture of what this may have looked like, but it's early in the morning. The sun is just barely starting to come up. Uh, You can just kind of picture this mist that's hanging over the waters there. Peter's got to be thinking of better days. Off to the one side of the lake, he could maybe remember how Jesus had fed the 5,000. On the other side of the lake, the the demon-possessed man had been healed. Over here, there was Jairus' daughter that was brought back to life. Over there was where Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount. All of this is happening in Peter's mind, and suddenly Jesus shows up. Verse 5, we read that Jesus shouts out over the water, and here it says, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now these guys, they had been working all night. They are professional fishermen. They had done this before. They they know some things about how to fish. And, And I imagine them thinking, well, who's this guy standing on the shore who's trying to be funny? And I imagine Thomas thinking, well, I doubt that we're going to be doing that. Some scholars have said that the right side of the boat is where the oars were put. And so you would never throw your net over the right side of the boat. Typically, most successful fishing would happen at nighttime. And so you would put out your nets at night, and then before the sun comes up in the morning, you would pull them back in. And so this whole idea would have just been a ridiculous thing. It would have made no sense at all to the normal fishermen. But for some reason, these fishermen, they listen to this guy who's on the shore. And when they do, the water just comes alive with all kinds of fish. They start pulling in the nets, and as they do, I imagine for Peter, this is like deja vu all over again. Because all of a sudden, uh, something happens that takes Peter back to the very beginning. Uh, I want to just read to you from Luke chapter 5 about Peter's uh, calling uh, two and a half years earlier. It says this, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Jesus... To hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's just another name again for the Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, it was Peter's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, this doesn't make sense again, but uh, it's broad daylight. There there are fish that won't be biting during broad daylight. But verse 5 says, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. So this doesn't make any sense, but but Peter has respect for Jesus. He has been following him for a little while. He has been listening to him teach. And so in verse 6, it says this. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Similar situation all over again, right? In that moment, Peter begins to understand what's happening and who it is that Jesus is. And it says, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were... Their, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Do you see what's happening here as we come back to John chapter 21? Jesus is taking Peter back to the time, that, that moment when Peter was first aware of the compelling glory of Christ, to the point where he was willing to give up everything in order to follow him. Wonder this morning, for those of you who are followers of Christ, do you remember that moment in your life? Do you remember that moment when you met the Savior? His presence and his power at work in your life were so real that you were willing to leave everything else behind for the sake of knowing him and pursuing after him and following him. Can I ask you a question? If you feel like quitting, if you feel like giving up, what has changed? I mean, he hasn't changed. So have you. The problem with failure is that we can, it can often fog our vision of Christ, where we no longer see him clearly. And what we really need is to see his glory on display in our life again. That's Peter. Jesus shows up on the beach. He works this miracle. And as this is happening, John looks at Peter and he says, It's the Lord. In that moment, as as Peter hears those words, he grabs his outer garment, he puts it on, he jumps in the water, he leaves all the fish behind, and he races to the shore. When he gets to the shore, what is Jesus going to say? How is Jesus going to respond to him? Maybe for you, you, you've thought in your mind about how God feels about you based on your failures or based on the fact that you're just convinced that He is too busy. He has more important things to do than to think about you and to care about you. And some of you have been wondering, how would it really be between me and God? Maybe you you know that God has forgiven you of your sin, and yet you have this voice that keeps uh, coming back and accusing you, saying things like, Wow, I mean, you think you can sing that song? After what you've done, do you think that you really should be praying to the Lord? And and you just have this picture of Jesus saying, you know what, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe that you failed me in that way. You know, I love what John does here in uh, chapter 21, because it kind of gives us some insight into how Jesus responds to people who fail. Jesus uh, hasn't really talked personally to Peter since the night that he had denied him. Not once, not twice, but three times. Well, I want you to just see what happens here in verse 9. It says, When they got to land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. You know, uh, there's only one other place in John's gospel where there's a mention of a charcoal fire. It's mentioned in John chapter 18, where it says that there was this charcoal fire in the courtyard of the high priest, and as Jesus is on trial there in the house of the high priest, Peter is outside, he's warming his hands, he's warming himself over this charcoal fire. And now again, there's a charcoal fire. You know, I think back to this past week, how we had a little family bonfire in our backyard one night, and... You know, there's just something about certain smells that kind of bring back memories to you. And so we're sitting around this bonfire, and as we were, it just kind of reminded me of bonfires that we used to have at our house when I was growing up. You know, we'd v- invite people over, we would roast some marshmallows, make some s'mores, we would roast hot dogs over the fire. But you know, as I was smelling the of that bonfire the other night it just kind of brought back some of those memories to me well I mean here's Peter he comes on shore here and he is by himself the other disciples are out trying to haul in this catch of fish the first thing that Peter smells is this charcoal fire and all of these memories keep come flooding back to his memory Jesus is standing there and Jesus has breakfast ready It's fish and it's bread. When the boat gets to shore, Peter helps the others unload all of the fish. And when they count it, they have 153 large fish. At the end of verse 11, it says, And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. You know, I think about all of this, and I think that it it helps us as we look at and think about this conversation that then takes place between Peter and Jesus in verse 15. Look at it there again. It says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, what's he talking about there? Well, he's not talking about the other disciples who are gathered there. He's not trying to create some more competition between them. Like, uh, who loves Jesus the most? He's not trying to do that. He looks at Simon and he says, Peter, do you love me more than your fishing business? Do you love me more than your comfort in life? Do you love me more than money? Do you love me more than having all of your questions answered? Peter Do you love me more than these? Do do you remember back to when you first met me, Peter? Do you remember back to that moment at the sea where it it was just, the sea was just filled with fish and and, um, you you just said, you know what? I don't really care about these fish. I'm going to leave them all behind. I'll do whatever I need to do. I just want to follow you, Peter. Do you remember that? And Peter, if you do remember that, well, follow me. Follow me. I love this because uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see this in verse 19 of John chapter 21. It says, And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. And then again in verse 22, Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, talking about John here, what is that to you? You... Follow me. You know, it's like Jesus is saying, Peter, I know that you failed. I know that you're concerned with your failure and and how that's going to affect the the way that our relationship is. But the fact is that I understand what you're going through. I I want you to follow me. I, I want you to think back on that day when I first called you, when you first understood who I was. Peter, I want you to know that That your failure is not going to stop the mission that I have for you. I came to redeem you. I came to make you new. I came to do something in you and through you. Peter, forget about everything else. I just need you to follow me. You know, as you hear these words from Jesus to Peter today, I wonder... Is there something in your life, maybe it's a failure on your part, maybe it's just that you haven't seen Jesus or maybe understood him clearly. Maybe there is something that has just kind of fogged up your vision of him. Well, the Lord of glory, he is standing on the shore of your life today and he is calling to you. He, He wants you to see him, to know him, to remember him, to love him. And he wants you to know that he is doing a work in your life and he does not want you to give up. He wants you to think about what he has done in the past and he wants you to follow him. Follow him.